0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Hello, I'm Mario Tanaguzi, managing editor of Canada's Podcast. Today on Calgary's Podcast, my guest is Carolyn Bergland, who is principal of Talk Talk in Calgary. Thanks, uh, Carolyn, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, let me just ask you a little bit about what you do. Uh, what is Talk Talk? Yeah,
1: talk, talk um, is a company that I started about 15, 16 years ago and um, actually stopped the business for a little bit. So I went back into the big consulting houses uh, for about a decade. And then uh, three years ago, actually this month um, was in a position to resurrect it. So what we do at talk, talk is uh, we play in a number of different spaces. One is we, um, we work in the leadership space. We work in team development we also do executive coaching, and we help others be better public speakers.
0: Mm. And how did you get into this? How, uh, how did this all start?
1: It's a good question. Um, if I go back to my career coming out of university, I worked for a little organization by the name of Kellogg's, so snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> I actually spent uh, 10 years in consumer package goods sales. But when I was at Kellogg's, um, a gentleman had suggested, we had lunch, one of my colleagues, that I take up a program called Dale Carnegie. So you oh, yeah. might be familiar with how to win friends and influence people. So I ended up taking that program uh, as a participant and then became what is called the graduated assistant and then ended up instructing that program for a couple of years. And so kind of got a portal into facilitating and presenting in front of groups. And so uh just continued alongside my career to um develop that facilitation muscle, if you will. And, um, it's just something that I have adored.
0: What was, the, you know, uh, having worked, um, in, in both areas, uh, for somebody and, and, and for yourself, uh, you, what was the biggest transition for you to, uh, to go on your own and, and do it on your own?
1: Yeah. So, Mary, I spent half of my career working for somebody else in various iterations. Like I mentioned, Kellogg's, other consumer packaged goods organization, big consulting firms. And then I had my own um, my own company. And I think the biggest transition and why I like this space, the entrepreneurial space, is because you're afforded the luxury of being creative. Yeah. So um, when you're under the tutelage of a big organization, they kind of dictate how you do things and why you do things. And and now I get to be super creative in terms of the content that I'm creating for, for the teams in which I work, the people that I work with.
0: Mm-hmm. What was your, uh, your biggest challenge um, of doing this?
1: Um, I, yeah, another good question. I would say, just having the confidence in oneself to say that I can make that transition. I believe in myself enough to do this, that I could get the client work um, and and just making that leap and taking that risk, because it is a risk, right? When you make that transition from the corporate world to to yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you know, if you had some people uh, like that you were mentoring, say for instance, uh, and they were ask, asking you questions about being an entrepreneur, what would you tell them? What would advice would you give them?
1: I would say, if someone's considering going into having their own organization, whether it's professional services like what I offer, or they have a widget or whatever it is. Um, you know, it's funny, the older I get, the more I think, just go for it. I know that sounds kind of poly- <laughs> a little bit, but I think life is really short. And if you have a dream, I think part of our purpose in life is to pursue that dream, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And so, um, obviously, there's all kinds of other implications financial implications, can you do it, all of that. Um, but I would say do it or plan for it. So, even if you're in an organization, Carve out time each and every day to 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 look at your dream and see if you can make that a reality. So make a plan. Believe in yourself. Take the risk.
0: Mm-hmm. We 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 all know those uh, stories. A lot of the famous stories out there where, where people just uh, you know kept going at it right kept going at it and uh and and now phenomenal success right i guess it it's it's, it's easy, especially when you're starting something new it's hard right uh it's hard but and it, it's easy to just stop right and say no well, i can't do this anymore
1: and you might i won't say fail but i did i did this twice so the first time i did it um no. quite candidly and, and to offer i was going through a divorce and had a little kid and in the consulting profession, you have really good months. You have some not so good months. And so um, I needed a kind of a steadier kind of income stream. So went and, and parked that for a little bit such that I could um, could resurrect it uh, some three years ago. So even if it doesn't work the first time, if it still continues to be your dream, yeah, um, continue to pursue it.
0: Yeah. What do you like about, uh, I guess, doing business here in Calgary? and in the province?
1: Oh, well, I've been here 23 years. I was born in Winnipeg, which,
0: oh.
1: as you talk to people in the community, a lot of people are from Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot, um, but this is home now, having been here 23 uh, years. There's a variety of industries. I think the network is really strong. Um, I work in Calgary for sure, but I also work outside of Calgary. In fact, a lot of my work, I'm on an aircraft quite a bit, into Toronto, Montreal, Um, but yeah, I think the clients that I have in in Calgary have been uh, terrific in terms of just learning, for example, oil and gas or, you know, that vertical. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a great community of, I think, entrepreneurs and industries for
0: sure. Do you think, you know, you're in the area of coaching, right, and uh, you know, this isn't something 20 years ago, you would have thought of, or that, that, that is prevalent out, out there in the business world. What, what's changed no. over, over the years? Like that now, you know, uh, so many executives seem to have coaches, right? Uh, what's changed over that time?
1: Well, coaching is necessarily new. Like even with the Dale Carnegie program that I was telling yeah. you, even though it's a workshop, I think there's there's coaching opportunities there. I think even coaches need coaches. I have a coach so i think it's a safe place to land to talk about issues that might be happening in your universe and and having someone to kind of just talk about how do, how do i get out of that what do you think it's it's an impartial place to to have a a conversation and so um for those that don't have coaches i would encourage everybody to get a coach just because it's an it's a great place to set objectives and and be held accountable as well to those objectives yeah. in which you're you're setting
0: now, uh, you know in in terms of the the coaching, what do you find uh, I, I guess, is there anything that is in particular that is a common thread throughout a lot of stuff that that people aren't doing and and need to do?
1: Yeah, a lot of the people that I coach come to me because there's um, some kind of conflict going on. So um, I don't know, Mario, how conflict became a dirty word. I don't think it's a bad thing. I actually yeah. think healthy and passionate debate is is part of working with other people. Um, so I thematically, I think what we work on again thematically is building trusting relationships with those that we work with, such that we can go into that passionate conflict. We can have commitment, accountability and results. I'm playing off of what they call Lencioni's model. Um, The topic of psychological safety is really, really hot right now. It's not a new term, but it seems to have uh, got a a resurrection, if you will, which is, um, you know, it's just creating an environment of rewarded vulnerability. And I'm borrowing that from Timothy Clark. Um, so creating an environment where you can kind of show up and be who you are, right? So often a lot of us think that we've got to put on some kind of weird mask when we go to the office. Um, and what I work with people is saying, no, let's see if we can uh, get you to show up to be authentically who you are. So if you think of, you know, I the iceberg example, and there's a water line uh, above mm-hmm. the waterline is that mask that we're presenting to one another. And if we can lower that waterline and show each other vulnerably who we are i think we become better human beings so we Mm. all have a story i like to say um you know some of us have kids that are special needs some of us have parents that are in palliative care some of us are dealing with illness and if we can look at each other as human beings having a human experience then and the humanness of it all then we can hopefully treat each other with kindness. And at the core of what I do, Mario, that's what I do, is teach others how to be kind to one another such that we can work with each other in a, in a safe and trusting environment.
0: Now, the name of your company, tell me the story there, like, and uh, how that came about.
1: Well, this is going to age me. <laughs> <laughs> there was a band in 1981, oh. Talk Talk. Really? <laughs> and it's a play on that um so there's the song it's my life they they did a bunch of different um really cool songs but i've always just liked the pattern of, of repetition of words so that's where it came from
0: and speaking of words on i'm looking at your uh, the background screen where is that from and uh...
1: so that's an interesting story so it's not wallpaper it's a mural so uh-huh. there's a um these uh, things that you have to stick on the wall, which there might've been some profanity as we're trying to put it up and trying to align the words. (laughs) Um, This is uh, the number one talk I think that ever existed, which is from my favorite novel called To Kill a Mockingbird, where Atticus Finch defends Tom Robinson. And um, it's so profound and meaningful to me that I wanted to showcase it in a more visible way. Yeah. And it's a great conversation starter because yeah. people generally ask.
0: <laughs> what um, What was your attraction to that book? What, what, what did you like about that book?
1: Well, so I, I wrote a book called 365 Must Know Talks of All Times, some yeah. some over a decade uh, ago. And just to give you some background, I um, decided to uh, blog every day for a year, so 365 entries. and. Oh. And I would look at a talk, whether it be Steve Jobs to Martin Luther King, Jr., try to answer the question, like, what makes a good talk versus a superb one? So I'd offer an a- analysis and a-, and a tip. And as I was undergoing that exercise, um, I got to this talk. And I thought, this is a talk that embodies all of the things um, that I was exploring so i kind of put myself in my own little presentation at skills university by doing that uh, activity threw it into a book but this talk had purpose it had story and emotion and excited curiosity and um i just think it's powerful words mean something and yeah. you can impact other people by the words in which you say and so um whether you read the book or watch the gregory peck version of the the movie um, if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you know anybody that's listening to this to to go ahead and, and listen to that particular speech.
0: Just as an aside and a personal note, um, yeah, uh, my best friend. I, I grew up in Ottawa. I, my best friend from childhood all the way through high school and even into university became an English teacher. And uh, favorite book to kill a mockingbird and yeah. uh, th- that he taught all the time every year. Uh, and he always tried. He tried uh, to get in touch with the author, uh, Harper Lee, I think is his name, right? Yes, yes. And uh, and she's a recluse, uh, kind of like a J.D. Salinger type, uh, So a recluse. But one day, lo and behold, years ago, he received a letter from her and uh, he, he couldn't believe it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he just like, he was just floored. He received a letter from her. I think he tried to What did it say? I, I can't remember like the the the, the you know what uh, what you know what it was about, uh, but uh, and he was just reaching out to say hi and how much he enjoyed the book and and I think it was just one of those things. Thank you very much uh, for your interest, that, that you know all that type of stuff. But yeah, was well, gonna- I'll
1: tell you how committed I am to that book. My son's name is Atticus.
0: Oh my! So I'm committed. I actually thought
1: was having a girl, and the name picked was going to be Scout, which is another oh, character in the book. Yeah. So there you go. I was committed.
0: Oh, interesting, interesting. So the how difficult, you know, you know I'm a writer, and I, so I write every day. But, uh, you know, I, writing is not an easy thing for a lot of people. And uh, uh, I'm just thinking, like, for yourself, like, uh, 365 <laughs> every day, how difficult was that?
1: Well, I don't claim to be any kind of like Tolstoy here. I wouldn't call myself a brilliant <laughs> writer, but I'm a conversational writer. Um, and I think the practice of writing every day, and I would love to hear your opinion. Like the more you write, I think the better you get. Yeah. And um, yeah. that was my experience is that. And then I fell in love with it. I had written at, at that point a couple of short stories, a couple, you know, I had written a novel. Um, but this was a way for me to learn. and. Um, I'm a big fan of a term called that I, I learned a couple of years ago, which is autodidact, which is an insatiable a- appetite to learn, like uh-huh. just for the sake of it, not because I want to get a PhD or I yeah, yeah. You need more letters behind my name, just because you're curious. And so that project of writing 365 days was just an exercise of learning. Like, what is it that makes a great presentation?
0: so when, when when you're dealing with uh, uh these individuals that you're coaching uh uh how is it difficult i don't know how to phrase this but is it difficult to 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 deal with like the top end of a uh, of a company as opposed to the uh, the, the the ones down below uh, who, who are, are kind of climbing the ladder type thing, right? But because uh, the top end, top executive, maybe some of them think, oh, you know, there's a reason I'm here because I know it all, right, type thing.
1: Yeah, you know, so I work with all levels of an organization from CEOs to managers to supervisors to union, non-union. So the CEOs that, come to me for, let's say, public speaking expertise, they've been awarded that role because they've been quite technically good at, at running the company. Then they get there and go, oh, wait, I don't know actually how to run a town hall. I haven't yeah. learned that skill, right? Um, so it's interesting. I'm, I'm working with a CEO uh, right now, and they were working on public speaking, and he sent me his PowerPoint deck. And he was quite proud of it. And I said, well, I don't care. <laughs> like the content needs to be there, but what we're going to focus our energies on is how are you going to deliver this? That's more, that's the focus of our our efforts is what's yeah. going to be our body language. How are we going to tell a story? How are we going to incite some emotion and curiosity? So there, to go back to your question though, each, I think each level in a leadership organization has different, challenges right so it's that person going from individual contributor i'm an employee now i'm going to make that switch into becoming a leader well there's a whole slew of things that happen what exercises do i need to pick up what do i need to let go oftentimes people don't let go and they just keep on being that working manager with that to-do list so
0: Hmm. um
1: at each one of those turns up through to the the ceo suite there's there's various challenges that we work with but there. it, it's difficult to say that there's a theme at any level because everybody's so different. Everybody's yeah. got different personalities and desires and, and you know,
0: yeah. Who are, who are some of the top speakers that you enjoy listening to?
1: Well, I'm a fan. I kind of start each of my days, even now, um, watching a TED Talk. I love TED yeah. um, And... There are so many that I think are famous. So like the Ken Robinsons out there that he talks about um, creativity in schools, which I think is a TED Talk that's been downloaded the most. I think that's a brilliant one. But there are other ones that I think are quite interesting and less well known. So there's a poet by the name of John Reeves that I like. He talks about the pattern of four o'clock in the morning. He has a beautiful cadence in in which and how he talks. Um, You know, there's a fellow by the name of St- Stephen Dunye who talks about making small changes in your life and, and that at the end of the year or five years, then all of a sudden you've, you've really created ma- massive change. An example in his talk, he, um, he would walk to work every day and listen to music. Mm-hmm. And um, one day he said, well, I really wanted to learn a new language. What if I replaced that activity with learning a new language? So he started yeah. listening on those blocks. To, how, to, how to learn German. So mm-hmm. at the end of the year of doing that, he decided to go to Germany. He told nobody that he was doing this, by the way. And, you know, enrolled in some immersive course of, you know, speaking German. So he invites his family to Germany and he's now speaking eloquently in German and his family is like, what just yeah. happened here? <laughs> yeah, so just replacing yeah. one activity. Yeah. And there, he's got a myriad of, myriad of other examples. And that so each one of these talks that I think are great have impacted me in some way. Like as a result of that Stephen one, I end up creating my own list of things that maybe I need to do differently. And if you've done your job well, then it it incites in the other person that well maybe I should do that too,
0: right? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So what do you do? You know, obviously uh, as a uh, as an entrepreneur and a owner owner of your own business type thing. Uh, you know, we're always busy, right? And, uh, so, and you know, many times it's like 24, seven, uh, where do you find the balance and how do you create the balance in your life?
1: Well, I don't think balance exists. Mario, I, you talk to entrepreneurs all the time and I don't know if that's a theme for that, emerges yeah. for you, but I, I don't yeah. think, I think there are times when you can arrive in a balance. Um. You know, I do try to take some time off. I do recognize the power of really unplugging. Um, so that's important to get kind of a clean slate. But I've got a supportive partner, which I think is important. Um, that helps kind of run run the household ship, if you will. Um, and I think, I think if anything, it's about being present. So my mom always said to me, when you're in the room, be in the room. Yeah. Which means whatever you're doing at this time, be there. And don't try to be think all, everything to everybody. Yeah, you know. So it's about being being where you are and not being anxious about what's to come.
0: Yeah. Also, <laughs> and being there, <laughs> we see you know in so many, uh, I in so many uh, like relationships uh, and uh, interactivity that we have we're seeing like people being distracted, you know, you you, you go to a, a restaurant and people are on their phones. Right. Right. Uh, instead of eating and talking to each other or, uh, you know, uh, just different things like that, that uh, uh, distract us. Uh, is, is, it, is it difficult because of all that today to, to be present? Totally. Don't you think? I think so. <laughs> I
1: think, you know, in my career, I, you know, I didn't have a, a smartphone. I didn't even have a cell phone yeah. until I was 30, right? Yeah. And I resisted that. I don't want a cell phone. I don't want to be, you know, everybody being able to call me at any given point. And I think there's a, a real discipline around putting that thing away such yeah. that you can give your head a break. So yeah. I don't look at the phone first thing in the morning and make that a practice that we're not. You know, someone really needs to get a hold of me, they can find me. But for that first hour, we're not looking at that device. And then I, I am very good at putting it away in the evening as well. Uh-huh. So I think carving out, um, you know, time to think is really crucial as an entrepreneur that mm-hmm. I don't hear a lot of people, a, a lot of people talking about. Like, I'll often block my calendar to yeah. read or oh, to watch a TED Talk or to sit down with pen and paper and just doodle right like it's creating that space to think is where you get ideas and where creativity is nurtured and creativity for me is is critical and that's one of the reasons that we just talked about why I left the corporate world is Ah. I couldn't be creative there so um baking in that time I think would be my only advice I guess is to make time to think
0: yeah yeah what have you
1: found with entrepreneurs and and the
0: same thing question? You, know, you know same thing they're always uh, uh, you know, when you asked the question about the balance i've I've heard that a lot uh you know uh, from entrepreneurs but but you know the the thing too I, I think is important is that we need to take. The time away from things, uh you know, not only just to relax, but I find the same thing for myself like i I try to get out every day to go for a walk, right and uh it's it's when I'm walking is that all these things pop into my head <laughs> when I'm away from this and uh, and 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 this you know the screen uh it, et cetera, and uh. Just out of the blue, boom! Things pop in into my head. I, you know, I just came back from a holiday and uh, you know did a lot of walking there and uh, and uh, you know, sort of rural Saskatchewan, and tons of stuff, tons of stuff just popping in my head, right? And uh, and I, I think that's you know, I think you have to empty your your mind, I guess, uh, to to have things come in. Because your mind's over but stuff, nothing's going to come in, right?
1: Yeah, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to um, go to a friend's cabin, and it's oh. off-grid. Off-the-grid. Yeah. Like, yeah. no cell service, <laughs> landline, right? And if that phone rings, you're like, well, what's happening? <laughs> right? yeah. So that was an interesting exercise in understanding our addiction to all oh. things connected to Wi-Fi, where yeah. I couldn't even check if I wanted to. Yeah. So there's a period of, oh, this feels deeply uncomfortable, and then you find yourself in this pattern of, well, I don't know if I want to go back yet. <laughs> I yes. kind of like this no. space of nothingness.
0: Oh, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. I uh, I try to do that uh, every so often just to recharge, and uh, and it, uh, you you find you find if you don't rest uh, and don't unplug in in many ways, uh, whether it's from technology or or, or work. I think, you, you, you know, that's uh, a fine recipe for burning out uh, for, uh, and uh, and being unpro- uh, not productive as you could be,
1: right? I don't know about you. I, I've burnt out a couple of times in my career. It's not a lot but, of fun, and it takes not, a lot to come not. back from that, right? Yeah,
0: right. yeah, exactly.
1: So if you can be preventative, I think that's the real, real message.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much, uh, Carolyn, for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: All right, that was uh, Carolyn Berglund, who is principal of Talk Talk. I'm Mario Tonaguzzi, managing editor of Canada's Podcast, today with Calgary's Podcast. Thanks for joining us.